0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. As a recap, right, like we talked about last week, how the Ark of God was stolen, right, by the Philistines. The Philistines and the Israelites had went to battle, and they initially had lost 3,000 men, right? The Philistines attacked the Israelites 3,000 men had died, and they're like, oh no, what do we do, right? Let's go grab the ark out of the temp- tabernacle, and let's bring the ark out to battle with us, and maybe that will help us, right? And in fact, things got worse. 30,000 men were killed, right? And the ark of God was stolen. Eli the priest falls over in his chair and breaks his neck, right? The fat old man Eli, right? We read about that. He broke his neck, at the sound of the ark of God had been captured, right? And Phinehas Othney and Phinehas, Eli's two uh, sons, they died in battle, right? And uh, Phinehas, his wife, immediately upon hearing the news that the ark had been captured, she burns a child and calls his name Ichabod, right? What a horrible name, you know? And this Ichabod, the glory of the Lord, has departed, right? They were in agony that. That, that what that they had sinned, right? They had relied upon something else to save them in the battle that they were facing other than the Lord himself. And we do the same thing, right? And so we talked about that. The Ark now uh, was with the uh, Philistines for a period of about seven months, right? And it went around to the five uh, different kind of capital cities, so to speak, Ashdod, Ebenezer, some, some of these towns uh, are, are familiar names to us in the Old Testament. But the ark was bouncing around, and, and we talked about how the, uh, that God had smote the Philistines with hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids, right? It said that they were smote with them because they had possessed the ark of God, right? And they, remember they took it into the temple with Dagon, right? And they set Dagon up before the ark, and he was falling on his face, right? They put him back up, and then his head was falling off, right? And his hands were broke, I mean... Uh, And we talked about idols, right? We talked about how we should not be propping things up before the Lord in our life. In fact, that Jesus went to the cross to cast our sins as far as from the east is from the west. So we find ourselves here, though, the ark traveling around uh, in the Philistine land. And this is God's way of teaching the Philistines a lesson in sin and in in, uh, rebellion and he is now going to make his way back uh, to the nation of Israel. And so we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. Now the Ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. Now I want to chime in here real quick. Seven months. Seven months the ark was with the Philistines, and for seven months they were smoked with hemorrhoids and rats. Rats, like bubonic plague type stuff, right? I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of what the bubonic plague looked like back whenever that was. I'm not a history buff, but man, what an absolute destructive disease, right? God himself indeed smote the Philistines with this disease, yet they carried it for seven months. Seven months. Like, dude, the first sign of a hemorrhoid, man, like, I'm out on that thing, right? Like, dude, give me some cream. Give me to the doc. I need some help, right? But man, the Philistines, it's, it's indicative of our sin. We are so reluctant. We are so reluctant to repent of our sin, and that is point one. One, one of today's messages, we are so often reluctant to repent of our sin. Like, why in the world they had the ark for seven months? They knew that it was God striking them. They knew that he was casting judgment upon their sin, yet they just remained in it. We talked about that a little bit last week, how sometimes we choose the penalties of sin and we say they're worth it, Lord. Like, we just continue in it. We know that we have sin in our life and we just do it. And we just deal with the consequences and we say, Jesus, we believe that you're enough. We believe that you can overcome it, but we're just going to continue to choose this this sin in our life because the penalties are worth it. That's what they were doing. They were saying the hemorrhoids and the plague was worth it to carry the ark. They they believed the ark was a prize, right? They had had this prized possession of the Israelites. Uh, And so may that be a little nugget lesson for us. Uh, To be careful. We we are so reluctant to repent. Like, if you feel like the Lord is asking you to remove an area of sin in your life, I really encourage you to do it. I really, really encourage you to do it. And so, we're not quite to point two yet. um, But we're going to move on here in verse three. um, Oh, no. I'm sorry. Verse two. uh, He says, they called for the priests and the diviners. They were looking for counsel that wasn't of the Lord. And so I want to also throw that nugget out. Like the Philistines were looking to the priests and to the diviners of the day, these were not godly people. These were the diviners. These were the spiritual people, the religious people, the people that they thought may have had some sort of pipeline to God. Man, when we when we have something on our heart, we need to take it before the Lord Jesus. He is the only person that we need to have uh, that we need to have an ear from, right? It's the Lord. Like, be careful of where you're seeking counsel. I'm not saying counselors are bad or, or psychiatrists or any of that. But I mean, a lot of, in today's world, man, Like there are people making lots and lots of money giving really, really ungodly advice. Don't seek advice on anything in your life where you need the Lord's help, which is everywhere, from anyone other than the Lord himself. Seek the word of God. Like, Lord, there's nothing new under the sun. God has spoken about every single matter of fact in life in his word. And so trust in that. And don't lean on other people, especially those that are not of the faith, that do not believe in Jesus Christ. Because it will lead you astray, his ungodly counsel. So verse 3. So they said, if you send away the ark of God uh, of Israel, don't send it empty. But by all means, return it to him with a trespass offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering that we should return to him? They said, five golden tumors... Five golden rats, according to the number of the Lord of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords, right? So they're basically, they turned these tumors and these rats into images of gold, five of them, for each of the five cities that the ark had been in. And they were going to put it in this box next to the ark and ship the ark back to Israel. It says in verse 5, Therefore you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats, Uh, that ravaged the land. And you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods and from your land. Why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he did mighty things among them? Did they not let the people go that they might depart? Verse seven. Now therefore, listen to this, this is bizarre. Make a cart. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked. Okay, so these cows have never had a yoke upon their neck, right? And that is an uncomfortable thing for them, right? So they're putting these cows in a, well, a compromised situation. It says, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves from them. Take the calves back home. So two things with these cows, right? One, they're putting a yoke upon them that has never been put upon them before, and the other thing was they took their calves from them. And we all know a mother a mother cow is not going to lose sight of her calves, right? She will practically kill herself to find her calves. So they are putting these cows at a disadvantage, right? With good reason. So here, we'll read on in verse 8. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart. Put the articles of gold which you're returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. Quick nugget here. Notice they did not put the golden tumors and the rats in the ark. They put it in a chest on the side. Take note of that. We'll come back to that here in a minute. And watch verse 9. If it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us a great evil. Talking about the Lord. They're saying if if indeed these cows take the ark of the the Lord on this cart, if they go straight to Beth Shemesh, the town of Beth Shemesh, which was the first Israelite town, then we know that it was the Lord that has smote us with the rats and the hemorrhoids, as if they needed any more clarity. Um, But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us, And it happened to us by chance, right? They're testing the Lord. They put all odds against the Lord. They took the calves away from the cows. They placed a yoke upon their neck. And they sent them in a straight line in the desert to Beth Shemesh. A solid five-hour trip for a cow. Like, what are the odds that these cows go straight there? They're practically zero, right? So they're still trying to uh, find a way... To deal with their sin and to justify their sin and saying that, man, it's not actually the Lord's judgment on my life that's why I'm struggling with this certain thing or why I've got hemorrhoids and why I've got the plague and my family's dying. It can't be my sin. It can't be that, right? It can't be the Lord. Like, this must be chance. Like, talk about worldly wisdom there, right? I mean, that is is how—it's exactly how the world thinks, man. So many people think that this life is random, that it's meaningless. They have no idea why they're here. They have no idea why certain things happen. They're blowing in the wind. You know, it's kind of funny. Preston and I saw a, a, uh, a wheel cap on the back of an old RV with, like, bicycles strapped off over this thing, and the wheel cap was upside down, and it said, not all who wander are lost. <laughs> it's like... That was just really funny to me. (laughs) But it's like, it's spiritually true. Like, people are wandering out there. Like, they are so completely lost, and they have no idea that they're lost. The same is true here with the Philistines, right? So they send the cows. uh, in, In verse 12, it says, Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh, and they went along the highway, lowing as they went, and did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And the Lord of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. These cows went straight there. Like, we cannot fool God, okay? God's like, he, God's funny, he's hilarious, he's got a great sense of humor. But like, he, we are fools when we think that he is not completely sovereign and in control. And in times when we try to test him, and we try to like stack the odds against him like they did, Man, the cows went straight to Beth Shemesh. They said they didn't even turn to the left or to the right. But there is a lesson to learn from these sweet little cows. I've kind of grown to like cows, being in the land business nowadays. I I really enjoy those old cows. As a deer hunter, man, I used to hate them. I'm like, get out of here, man, you know? But I'm really embracing these cows. But there's a lesson to be learned here. It said they were lowing as they went. I know, indeed, these cows were stressed. These cows had yolks on their necks, and their babies were stripped from them. And they're walking in the desert with no direction other than from the Lord. But man, they just did it anyway. They were on mission for God, these cows were. We too are on mission for God. God is asking some of us to do things that isn't comfortable. God is asking us to sacrifice areas that we don't feel like sacrificing. But we need to do it anyway. We can, Even if we're lowing as we go, we need to go. If we don't go, that's when we are in sin and we're rebelling against God. So let the Lord speak to you on that. Point number two here, though, is, man, it is a joyful thing to welcome the Lord back into our lives, man. It is a joyful thing when we let the Lord back into our lives. Let's see what happens here at Beth Shemesh. In verse 13, now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, man. Things were pretty good. Harvest was was happening, man. They're out there with their, uh, you know, the, the harvest materials, man. They're gathering the wheat, separating the chaff. They're enjoying themselves, right? And they lifted their eyes and they saw the ark, and they rejoiced to see it. Then the cart came into the field of Joshua at Beth Shemesh, and he stood there, and there was a large stone. And so they split the wood of the cart. They offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. Uh, And then the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on a large stone. Then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings, they made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. And then when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines turned as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, those are the five cities. And then the golden rats, according to the number of the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and country villages. Even as far as the large stone of Abel on which they set the ark of the Lord, which stone remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And we'll pause there. It is a joyful thing to welcome the Lord back into our lives. So they're, they're sitting here with the harvest. They've got the wheat, man, and the ark of God is coming to them, right? And they're rejoicing, man. They've They sacrifice the cows, right, immediately upon finding it. They they, they break the cart down, right? They build a fire. They make an offering unto the Lord. And here is God. Like, think about this, man. God is, uh, the Israelites, man, were in such sin and rebellion taking the ark, which they knew was completely uh, not of the. There was only one time the ark was to go into battle, and that was in Jericho, and God had specifically designed it that way. Instead, they took it upon themselves to put it out into battle. And so God is restoring them. I know for sure, man, I'm reminded of Peter, our good friend Peter, man. When, when, remember when Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And then the rooster crowed, and he knew he had blown it. He just absolutely blew it. He denied that he even knew who Jesus was. He told them that he, he told the guards that he didn't have a clue who the man was, and he had just walked with him intently for four years. And Peter, man, when Jesus resurrected and he's making breakfast on the sea, this is at the this is the last chapter of the Gospel of John, man. And Peter is sitting there, and they're out there fishing, right, like pressing on, I, man, just trying to catch something. And he looks and he sees the Lord making breakfast. And Jesus restored Peter. He said, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Three times, he restored Peter to his fullness, man. And Peter went on to be one of the most dynamite disciple makers who ever lived, and I can't wait to meet him when I get to heaven. But that had to have been the similar feeling of these guys, man. The ark had returned home, man. God was redeeming them. Their sin created problems in their life, yet God still pursued them. And he does that for us. Like, when we blow it. We blow it, man. Our sin separates us from a holy God, but yet he always is pursuing us, man. We need to rejoice in that. If there's something in your life that you have not let the Lord return home to you in, may it be an area of repentance for you today. Let the Lord back into your life and make an offering unto the Lord. Like meaning, Lord, I am going to sacrifice this area because I know that this is why you came to die for me. Now, the joy was short-lived. The joy was short-lived. We pick up in 19. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people. Now I will clarify this Translation doesn't work very well. There's 50,000 people of the town. 70 of them died. Okay, but still. Harsh judgment. And the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. There's no denying who did the slaughtering here. It was the Lord. The Lord killed 70 of these men at Beth Shemesh because they looked into the Ark of God. Like we talked about earlier, the Philistines... Put the articles they're offering to the side, right? They did not open the Ark of the Covenant. They knew that was absolutely forbidden. And so, the and the Jews did too. The Israelites knew that it was forbidden. Do not open the Ark of God for any reason, under any circumstances, ever. In fact, the high priest only once a year on Yom Kippur could go into the Holy of Holies on his hands and knees with a rope tied to his leg and sprinkle blood on the altar. That's how highly regarded they did over the holiness of God. And these dudes had no regard for the holiness of God. They look into the ark. They're like, oh, well, whatever this is. You know, God's in town. Cool, right? God's here. Uh, and they, the Lord struck them dead. May that be a warning, man, for like this, this community this world, like we have no regard over the holiness of God, and that is that is point number three. God is sovereign and holy, man, and thank the Lord for that. I wouldn't want to worship any God that wasn't holy and perfectly just. I don't want to worship a God that's tolerant of any sin. What a weak God! He wouldn't be holy, and so uh, he's, he's he's completely intolerant of their disregard for his holiness. So he kills them, seventy of them, dead. And what happens here is it says in verse 20, and the men of Beth Shemesh said, who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kirjath-Jerim, saying, the Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. They didn't want anything to do with it. They were just like, get this thing out of here. The Lord had pursued their life. The Lord had made a way. The Lord sent these cows straight to them. The Lord was saying, man, here I am. Welcome me home. And they are kind of like, whatever. They're looking in there. I guarantee you they were looking into the ark to see if there was something of value for them to keep so they could keep the ark going wherever it was intended to go in Israel. And so, too, guys, we do the same thing, and particularly the lost world, man. But may it not be true of the church, this church, any church, anybody that's a believer in Jesus Christ. May we not just disregard the move of the Lord in our life. We are so quick to do that. Like, God, we talked about in week two or three, I don't know what it was, how God has gone to extremes, extremes to communicate to us. To show his love to us. No greater example than sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin. Like, no greater example than that. God has gone to extremes to pursue our lives. And today, he is pursuing your life. Today, the ark of the Lord has rolled into Beth Shemesh. God himself has rolled right into your life. Don't be the guy that goes, what's in it for me? And then send the ark, man. Let Jimmy be the guy that leads the church. Let Shay be the guy that makes disciples. Let Corey be the dude that runs the music. You know, let him raise up a guy or two, man. No problem. That's on them, man. I got me a business. I got me a family. I got me a retirement plan, man. My financial advisor's got me squared away. Like, guard yourself, man. Like, the Lord has a plan for your life, and he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. Like, your job's going to be fine. The business is going to be fine. Your retirement's going to be fine. If you seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. Like, all that I have commanded you. That's a really important part. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. God has commanded us to so many things. Be holy, for I am holy, right? Repent of your sin, and Adam, might forgive you. Like, uh, resist the devil, and he will free from you, right? There are so many things. Like, the Christian life is not a one-time event. That's a salvation experience. That's a born-again experience. The Christian life is a daily rhythm with Jesus, your Savior, that is raising you up. I want to read in Philippians. I feel like the Lord's telling me to share this with you guys. Paul says in uh, chapter 3, Verse 12, not that I have already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold that which is, uh, that Christ Jesus has done for me. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Listen to this. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, man. Paul is saying, I'm raising the bar in my life. I am pressing on to the upward call of God in Christ for me. He's saying God has a greater plan for me than to just receive salvation and to continue to live a life that the rest of the world looks like. He's saying raise the bar, man. I'm always looking for the thing that God is going to do next in my life, and it's every single day. God is alive. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, sitting on the throne of God, looking at you, going, I want to use you, man. I want to use you. Let me use you. He's begging. It says that God is jealous for us. He is a jealous God. When you're jealous, man, you just long with incredible desire for something, right? That is God for us. Let Him have you. Don't be selfish. Let him use you and you will be so unbelievably blessed beyond measure. And the prize for your work is in heaven. Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. Not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where they can be destroyed, right? And so, man, let that be an encouragement to you guys. And I'm trusting in the Lord that that is a word. So I'll land the plane here. Big idea is holiness is not so much something that we have, as much as something that has us. Like 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 Paul said in, in in Philippians here, not that I've already attained or am perfected, but I press on. I'm not perfected. I share that with you guys every week, man. Like none of us in this room are, but we press on, man. Like are you pressing on? Are you moving forward? Like we are holy not because of what we've done or what we will do, but because He is found in Him, and our identity is in Him, in Jesus Christ, then we can be found in a holy position. We can be used by a holy God. Our lives can glorify our Father in heaven. That is the light that a dark world needs to see. So I'll land here, and uh, I'll just ask you guys as Corey comes up to sing a song, to be thinking, just be thinking, man, like... Do you need to welcome the Lord back home, like in Shemesh? Do you need to uh, receive Him? There were some that received Him that wanted to make an offering unto the Lord. They wanted to restore themselves back to Jesus, man. They wanted to embrace Him. They repented of their sin. They just said, "Lord, forgive me. I love You. I know You love me." It was a wonderful union. May that be us today. Don't. May it not be. May we not be the ones that received the ark and they said, "What is in it for me?" May we not be people that came to church today going, what can God do for me? Looking into the ark, you know, what is he doing for me, man? Was the music good enough? Was the message good enough? I don't know. If it wasn't, I'm out. That's not what it's about when we follow Jesus, man. We we submit ourselves. We humbly come before the Lord. Jesus said in order to gain your life, you must lose it first. Like, may we be people that just are willing to give up our lives for Jesus because he did that for us. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.